We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Zero RB stars, a cast of familiar characters at wide receiver and some breakouts. Plus, it was a great week to stream QBs. It's the Tuesday Take 5 on Rotoviz Radio. What's up, Rotoviz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Curtis Patrick, joined by Dave Cabin, and it's the Tuesday Take Five, man. It's 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 the second time that we've done it. And for those of you familiarizing yourself with this new platform, uh, every week you know, on Tuesday morning, we're running down the top five performances uh, at each of the fantasy scoring uh, positions and breaking down kind of what drove that performance. It's quick hitting. We're going to be able to hit 20 players each episode as a result of that. Uh, this episode is driven off of our Monday review tool on rotoviz.com, which has uh, some of the advanced stats right after the games are over, basically, on the site. You can get on there on Monday and and really start to dig into what happened in Sunday's game. So, again, quick hitting episode, lots of detail, and we'll try to layer in a little bit of you know how to play it moving forward for each player while still getting to you know a lot of different names. So, Dave... Uh, anything you want to add or you just want to get right into it, man? I just want to add that this episode now is simulcast, if you will, potentially. But going yes. forward, you're going to be seeing a lot of our episodes also available on YouTube. Of course, we have the Thursday Start Sit Show, which encountered some massive <laughs> technical difficulties yeah. in week two, but should be back up and running this week. I'm going to uh, hit a sound effect here, Curtis, in one second, and then we're just going to start talking about week two, if I can cue up the correct sound effect, and I think I can. Awesome. All right. Let's start with quarterbacks, Dave. And, you know, it's kind of funny to think about streaming QBs already in, in week two of the fantasy season, but we know there were some people that waited on quarterback in their draft or, you know, people that are trying to keep up with what's going on in their best ball portfolio. And they waited late and drafted three QBs. So we got to talk about some of these names. And, you know, once we get deeper in the season, there's some risk that the quarterback position might just be the familiar cast of characters every week, but Hey, in week two, so far pending Monday night football results, Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones somehow <laughs> salvaged like just it looked like it was going to be an atrocity, Dave. And in Arizona, I mean, the, the Giants go out there after looking so putrid and so terrible in week one. They get down big early and they somehow climb back into it and pull out, uh, you know, kind of a miracle comeback win on the road. And, and Daniel Jones, you know, has a pretty nice fantasy day off of it. What was really driving is 30.7 fantasy points yeah well i mean you're absolutely right in if you checked in on this game early in the day this really looked like a scenario where you're going to have just another putrid week however daniel jones ends up going for 321 yards completes 70.3 percent of his passes has two touchdowns does take three sacks but he also added nine rushing attempts for 59 yards and a rushing touchdown that gives him 30.7 fantasy points 
And the interesting thing here, Curtis, is that you have Jones returning on some of the upside case that people had made for him early on in the season. I mean, you look at that. He added an additional 12 points in this game with his legs. Even if you take away the touchdown, puts up an additional you know, 5.9 fantasy points. So I think it's pretty exciting for those of you out there that decided to make Jones the quarterback on your team or put him into a stable. Pretty impressive stuff there. I also think that, uh, you know, maybe you can breathe a sigh of relief now if you were a Darren Waller manager or somebody else that had gone ahead, got some of those Giants pieces. So really, this is a performance driven not only by plus 300 passing yards, but also by his legs. Yeah, and and maybe getting down big was, you know, again, uh, and getting into the recesses <laughs> of the play calling is is what this team needed because Daniel Jones was a dink and dunk machine in week one, just could not do anything against that Cowboys defense and finally figured it out. He, he was, you know, besides being the QB1 heading into Monday Night Football, uh, he was also in the top uh, six or so in average depth of target and in passing air yards. Uh, both categories where he was, um, you know, bottom 10 uh, amongst all quarterbacks, bottom five in one of those categories actually in week one. So it wasn't just like a pure volume thing. It was the, the types of throws, um, the types of um, opportunities that he was getting and also giving to the receivers uh, some big plays for Jalen Hyatt. So we'll have to keep a, a lookout for the rookie. Let's, let's go to a, a familiar name in, in top fives. It's one of your boys, Dave, Captain Kirk Cousins, uh, QB2 for the week. Yeah, man. I think that what you saw from Cousins this weekend is a performance that we're going to see a couple more yeah. of. This really comes down to the Vikings having receivers in spots where they don't even have to really do anything to make plays, right? We saw KJ Osborne wide open getting one of the four passing touchdowns coming from Cousins, who also passed for 364 yards. Keep in mind, this was against the Eagles, a very solid defense last year, looking good this year, of course. Some concerns now. James Bradbury had a concussion in week one, was out. It looks like Avante Maddox might be out for a while now. But nonetheless, impressive to see Cousins go for 364 and four touchdowns through zero picks in this game. Had 404 passing air yards, finishes with 28.6. The connection with Jordan Addison is proven to be there two weeks in a row. His yeah. first two NFL yeah. games has found the end zone. And of course, you have Justin Jefferson, just this absolute alpha on the other side of the field from Addison. We saw Hawkinson get involved, believe he found the end zone. This is an offense that looks to be uh, somewhat recovered from that week one <laughs> surprise loss to Tampa Bay and you know, ready to gear up moving forward. Yeah, nice to see, you know, Kirk Cousins come through in a big game. You know, I whether it goes the Vikings way or not, you know, for him to go 364 with four touchdowns and no interceptions, I mean, you know, there, there's there's zero blame to go around regardless of the outcome um, for, for Kirk Cousins there. And, yeah, I, I agree, man. Just plenty of fantasy goodness to go all around in that offense. And, you know, especially, you know, we're not going to be talking about Alexander Madison amongst our top five running backs this week. Yep. And, you know, for fantasy purposes and that passing attack, it's not a bad thing to have the Vikings bet on Madison look like it was a bad one because we know this team can move the ball uh, through the air without a doubt. Let's go a little deeper into the quarterback position at QB3. A redemption story, man. And it was this is kind of misleading because it was bailed out on a play at the end of regulation, 50-yard touchdown Hail Mary that – uh, put the Broncos back within uh, striking distance of a, a victory. And you know maybe it'll be a turning point emotionally for the team to, to have that play work. But Russell Wilson, man, uh, QB. Yeah, so Wilson, 18 of 32, completes just 56.2%, but does pass for three passing touchdowns, goes for 9.6 in terms of yards per attempt, did take seven sacks, though, which you don't love to see, but adds 56 yards on the ground, finishes with 25.9 fantasy points. I think the interesting thing here, right, is in addition to the passing, you also get some production from Wilson as a scrambler. Of course, the team has started off 0-2, but 
perhaps that keeps Wilson passing. Also nice to see him make a connection with a young wide receiver there in Marvin Mims. Yeah, yeah, a couple big plays to Mims. I mean, we haven't seen Russell Wilson add to his fantasy line consistently with his legs for, you know, a number of years now. If we can get, you know, 40, 50 yards on the ground each week, you know, these bets on the Denver offense finding its way over the course of the season will surely pay off. Because, I mean, you don't you don't need 300 passing yards and three touchdowns if you're going to get those 50 rushing yards per week. I mean, he could find his way into the, you know, the QB1, QB2 borderline every week with with that, you know, rushing production. So speaking of the rushing production, Josh Dobbs, uh, 41 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Um, you know, he's on the other side of that New York Giants game, had some effectiveness earlier, you know, in that contest, didn't come out on top. But man, you know, I was actually in a spot this week where I thought about starting Josh Dobbs in a super flex dynasty lineup that I had going and I, I didn't end up doing it. But, you know, it could have panned out. I mean, he's QB4 for the week. Yeah, one of those absolutely wild outcomes that you see every once in a while. And I think that this has pretty big implications for people out there that might have added Hollywood Brown onto their roster. Or we're hoping that, you know, the young Michael Wilson might be able to put something together once or if Kyler Murray returned to the lineup. Well, you have Josh Dobbs trotting out completing 21 of 31 passes for a near 68% completion rate really recovers from, I think it was 114 yards in week one, doubles it to 228 yards passes from one touchdown also accrues 41 rushing yards goes for 13.7, a clip as a rusher and scores a rushing touchdown is the QB four on the week with 25.2 points. You know, one of those performances you love to see a player manages to, uh, you know, find success after they may have been written off. Now, I'm not sure if we see this being the type of thing that can continue, but a fun performance nonetheless. If you know, I just go right back to it. if you can get 10 fantasy points on the ground, you know, you can be a pretty effective quarterback uh, tied for Dobbs at QB four was Jalen Hurts. So, you know, many people's QB one in fantasy for the season uh, certainly within everyone's top three QBs in preseason rankings, you know, tying with with Josh Dobbs here. You know, what's really interesting is I think about this top five is four of the quarterbacks were from two games. You know, we had the Giants and the Arizona Cardinals uh, facing off and giving us, you know, quarterbacks one and four. And then we had Cousins and Hurts giving us two and five, or I guess two and tied for four here. This was a classic Hurts performance, Dave, uh, you know, under 200 passing yards but he does have the touchdown to go with the, those 193 through the air. Then he gets a pair of rushing touchdowns with 35 rushing yards, only 208 air yards. And, you know, the Eagles really focused on the ground game because their passing attack just looks so out of whack in this game. It was really, like really concerning. You know, he and A.J. Brown are screaming at each other on the sidelines, have to be separated. So, you know, we'll have to kind of watch some of that stuff. But, you know, A.J. Brown managers might worry. I mean, if you're a Jalen Hurts manager and that the passing attack doesn't get figured out, you can still count on all those rushing touchdowns. Of course, he was among the league leaders in rushing touchdowns in 2022. Anything you want to add on Jalen Hurts' performance before we switch over to the running backs? Just the only thing I would say, it's been kind of odd with uh, this Eagles offense. You have some plays making these very long, deep connections with uh, Devonta Smith, and then you know it almost feels like they're like in slow motion on some of these other plays. So luckily, he was able to salvage the day with some rushing, which is why you go after him. But hopefully, we can see some improvement from this offense moving forward. All right, we got a drop before the running backs. How are we doing this, man? How are we? How are we? Splitting no, no, it no. Up? We, we uh, that's, we're just gonna fly. We're gonna fly. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to drive the video. Right. Last thing we need to do now is to add in some more sound effect drops. I got to hit. Can you put that ghost echo effect from your voice last Thursday? <laughs> And there's a drop. You okay. Know, maybe, um, maybe, uh, maybe another time, but not right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it, the wound is still too fresh. Um, okay. So the running back position was really cool because, you know, obviously one of the big things for Rotoviz is, you know, specifically the idea of, of building teams with, you know, zero RB in mind. Right. So we're, we're waiting to draft some of these running backs in uncertain backfield situations with the idea that it'll pan out over the course of the season. 
And when it does, we've got, you know, strength at quarterback and strength at tight end and strength at wide receiver. So, you know, these uncertain backfields sorting themselves out, build us a super team. And that usually takes some time like to come to fruition. But, you know, there's a couple people from Sean's zero RB list and also a player that was among uh, my big exposures for my best ball portfolio, actually comprising four of the five top running backs uh, this week. So Team Rotov is all over this one. Really cool. So one of Sean's favorite players as the course of the summer draft season went on, Dave, was Brian Robinson. You know, many people were giving this backfield to Antonio Gibson because of Eric Bieniemy coming over and, you know, his love for, you know, the passing game and, you know, would he want to use more of a workhorse situation? And, you know, Brian, or, uh, Sean cautioned that Brian Robinson may be the better of the two uh, at this point with everything that we've seen from the uh, both backs. And he's the RB1, man, 28.9 PPR in week two. Yeah, so Robinson on 18 carries goes for 4.8 yards per rush attempt. That comes up to 87 rushing yards punches in two rushing touchdowns also took two receptions for 42 yards finishes with 28.9 points. You contrast that with what you saw from Antonio Gibson. And it's really looking like there's a clear divide here uh, in terms of what the team wants to do. Just two rushing attempts for Gibson only saw three receptions. So we've now seen a multi-touchdown game for Robinson on the ground. We also saw him punch one in as a receiver last week, uh, which kind of salvaged that day for him. But uh, right now it's looking like this is Robinson's backfield to run away with. Yeah, this was kind of like, a, I don't know, it feels kind of like a vintage Derrick Henry type uh, performance when you get those big weeks from him. Um, I, I would love to see Brian Robinson post, you know, 120 rushing yards one of these weeks with the same two receptions. Let's see if we can get some of that where he gets these big, uh, big weeks without the rushing touchdowns, but it's nice to know that he's capable of these things. And I'm also interested in week three, you know, was Gibson just merely being punished for, you know, the turnover and the mistake. And does he win back some of this backfield share after, you know, a week of being in the doghouse or, you know, can we fully lean into Robinson at this point? Um, A player with far less, uh, draft pedigree than Robinson, uh, but a guy that in the final two weeks of draft season, Dave and I were selecting in our Fantasy Pros Championship uh, team that the podcast is managing, led us to a big win this week. Kyron Williams, Cam Akers is permanently in the, the Los Angeles Rams doghouse now. And Kyron Williams, after uh, leading the backfield with a couple touchdowns in week one, they had a nice little swan song here, leading the backfield in a game that the Rams I think most people thought they'd get crushed by the Niners and, you know, they hung tight, you know, with all these kind of no name players contributing and and Williams amongst them, Dave, 28 PPR really active in the receiving game with six receptions for 48 receiving yards and a receiving touchdown. How to look on the ground, you know, what, what else would you want us to know about the stat line that we can, you know, maybe take away and project forward? Well, I just think that, when you see 24 total targets or excuse me, 24 total opportunities for any player in a given week, let alone a player drafted where he was this early on in the year and then delivering on them. That is really impressive. You know, there's not too many guys that you can comp through the first two weeks to Kyron Williams with the profile that he had here and a target share Curtis of 19.2 is just outrageous. When you consider the fact that you also have guys like Puka and Tutu that kind of came out of nowhere, much to the chagrin of all of my Van Jefferson shares. But I mean, this is wild. And so you have acres in the doghouse now, right? And it doesn't look like this is a team that's going to want to go out and bring in somebody off of the street. Even if they do, it's probably his backfield. So, you know, I was talking about this with Hassan and Blair Andrews last night. If you did a redraft league right now and you drafted it, you probably see Kyron Williams going, you know, first four, maybe even five rounds, depending on who's in your draft in the league settings, which is just wild. Yeah, the the 19.2% target share, that's something to keep an eye on. 10 targets. I mean, he led all backs in targets. You know, he's fifth in target share, but led all backs in targets. You know, if the Rams have this concentrated offense still, which they've always been, I mean, 
the, the Sean McVay Rams dating back years now have been awesome for fantasy because, you know, once people earn those roles, you know, that that's, you know, where it goes, you know, there hasn't been a lot of this, you know, eight, eight receivers catching a ball and stuff like that uh, on game day or, you know, three or four backs being involved. If a guy emerges, like, you know, he's willing to give one guy the opportunity and ride it if it's working. Now, I mean, it could change again when Cooper cup comes back, how will everything get redistributed? But we don't really have a date on that. And it certainly isn't going to happen, you know, until October. So yeah, ride the hot hand, man. This was really cool to see from Kyron Williams. Been talking about this guy for years. I remember cutting up uh, his Debbie, uh, him as a Debbie prospect with Travis May on, you know, many a Dynasty Command Center podcast years ago. So really cool to see this pan out here. Saquon. Well, oh, I got to no. have one more comment. Yeah. 56 yards after the catch for Williams, too. So it's not oh. like he was just getting a target and just falling down. He was doing work with it, too, after he caught it. All right. I digress. Yeah. And, and he only had 48 receiving yards. So, I mean, you yep. know, he some of some of those being short targets and, you know, he's he's making something of it. Yep. Saquon Barkley running back three. So we finally get a familiar name. Unfortunately, we've got an ankle sprain. We got to figure out talking about next week, but at least in this one game, uh, you know, the draft pa- capital paid off uh, 27.2 PPR in that Cardinals giants matchup. Yep. So you see Barkley uh, get 17 rushing attempts also has seven targets turns into 63 rushing yards. Um, 29 receiving yards also scores a touchdown on the ground and a touchdown through the air comes out to 27.2 fantasy yep. points. As you mentioned now, obviously this is a really good sign for Barkley. You now have to deal with the injury, but I think he was delivering on some of the things that people have been really hoping you'd be able to see out of Barkley. The big question becomes now though, what do uh, people do now with the waiver wire? You know, does Matt Breida become a popular target to go after? One of the things that I would say is this is a great line for Barkley does vacate, you know, an opportunity <laughs> at 24, but I'm not I'm too jazzed up about face. what <laughs> I'm trying to keep a straight face. Yeah. Man. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we got to talk about it, yeah. right? We got to bring it up, yeah. but you do, you do. Um, you know, I think that you, you cross your fingers and all your toes that the Barkley is going to be cool. Um, for, you know, I, th- I think the initial testing came back, um, somewhat encouraging. So more to come on that, you know, midweek, uh, from us on the pod. Uh, and most of you probably have Adam Schefter, uh, alert set. I'm sure. So we will follow along with that. Um, Deandre Swift, Dave, Sean's, uh, I guess, poster child for, uh, zero RB this season just blew up, man. I mean, it was the best rushing performance of his career. I, I mean, I'll be honest. You know, if you told me DeAndre Swift was going to have some 27.1 PPR uh, outputs this year, I would have definitely believed you. I wouldn't have thought the stat lines would have looked like this, though. Um, and be, because, I mean, you know, the whole thing about him going to Philly was, you know, they don't really pass the backs very much. And you can argue whether the skill sets were really there. But that's been Swift's calling card. It's like highly efficient guy, useful out of the backfield. We puts up a monster 28 carry performance. 175 rushing yards, a pair or a, a touchdown on the ground, and then highly inefficient in the receiving game. You know, three receptions, six yards. It all adds up to a monster performance. And DeAndre Swift, managers everywhere rejoice. Yeah, this is, I mean, 6.2 yards a carry, right? One touchdown on the ground takes three targets, uh, you know, into three receptions. Padding that total, just absolutely a crazy performance from Swift. You end up with a player like Swift getting 175 rushing yards on 28 carries. It's still 6.2 a clip, like you said, efficient. Really hard to underscore how impressive this performance is, also coming off of a short week. Now, of course, you have Gainwell out for this game. There's always the possibility of Rashad Penny resurfacing later, but I mean, it's hard to overlook how crucial of a performance this is. Absolutely key piece of that offense. And, you know, you talked about the struggles earlier that they were having with uh, Hertz and AJ Brown to see Penny or not Penny to see Swift step up and do this. You know, you have to really like the opportunity he's going to have going forward. It would make sense for this team to keep using him. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and I mean, even even with a far less effective back, you know, we saw them turn to Miles Sanders time and time again last year. I mean, Sanders ended up being, you know, a pretty nice fantasy pick for those that invested in him after everyone kind of uh, written him off. I mean, we don't really love the player, but, you know, he, he was a good fantasy asset last year. And so, I mean, DeAndre Swift, who we think is a more talented version of that, yeah, you, I mean, you got to like where things are going, at least here for the next couple of weeks. And um, I think you you rightfully mention that Kenneth Gainwell coming back could could affect things here because you know the, the Eagles it almost seems like regardless of the coaching staff have always been to, I mean dating back multiple iterations of coaching staffs back to the Andy Reid days it's been kind of hard to project it's like something about that city and that helmet you know which running backs are going to get the touches this week but yeah this this is kind of undeniable uh you know for Swift when we think about other backfield by committee situations from draft season the dolphins certainly fit that bill as well and you know the grand poobah of the group at age 31 raheem mostert man yeah what a game for Mostert! and in prime time he was already having a great game and then when he iced it with that 40 plus yard breakaway at the end of the game i mean watching that guy run when when there's nobody near him, I mean, he's just so fast. It's so awesome. I mean, at age 31 to still be hitting, you know, 21 miles an hour in game is just so nuts. Uh, this this was really cool. A lot of Rotoviz listeners have tons of exposure to Mostert across all formats. So 25.7 PPR makes him the RB5 pending Monday Night Football results. Yeah, 6.7 yards of carry goes for 121 total two rushing touchdowns and this is the product of what you expect when you have a capable back playing in as explosive of an offense as Miami's now last night through the air actually not quite as much production as you might have become accustomed to but they really picked it up on the ground and like you said it's incredible to see somebody moving like he is at age 31 of a running back that's had a lot of involvement in the last couple of seasons especially and just you know still carrying that momentum forward yeah, you, you got to like it. I mean, Salvan Ahmed uh, and... He looked good, too. He did. Yeah, he, he did look good. He was like a different flavor, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like dancing around and stuff in there. You know, I could see him getting a couple touches, but, you know, most are so efficient. You know, you know, we don't necessarily want him having 100% involvement in that backfield anyway. You know, that's kind of nice. You know, as long as we don't see things start to, to shift appreciably, that's going to be great. And, you know, Devin or Devon, a chain, uh, it's still going to take me a minute to to fix that uh, throughout the season. Um, you know, still minimally involved. I think he did get a carry last night. So uh, let's go to the wide receiver position, Dave, where our boy, our number one boy that we were overdrafting all draft season long, the name that we were pounding the drum for most loudly was Keenan Allen. He comes through with a, a 31.1 PPR wide receiver one performance it was a a thing of beauty when you're invested in Allen like Dave and I are yes so Allen 10 targets 
a target share 25.6 catches eight of those passes that went his way for 111 yards two receiving touchdowns also had 107 air yards put together an air yard share 24.3 21 yards after the catch finishes as Curtis said with 31.1 fantasy points and what you're seeing here is this offense is still very much Keenan Allen's yeah. You know, as Curtis talked yeah. a lot about, there's, you know, you could try to make the case that these younger guys were going to take away things from him there. Still, though, it is very much his things run through him and he still can completely deliver, has not appeared to slow down in any way. Yeah. And we didn't have Austin Eckler this week. And so that changes the offense. So at, at worst, uh, Keenan Allen is the number two preference in that offense. And, you know, if they decide to let, Eckler get healthy, you know, maybe they can continue to, to ride it a little bit. Unfortunately, the Chargers starting going to, you know, a bit of concern, you know, will they rush Eckler back? Could that, you know, cause a greater injury or if the rails really fall off, you know, right now we're just going to uh, celebrate this wide receiver one performance the second week of the season, uh, giving our, con- or given our conviction on Keenan Allen this off season, you know, so that that's, that's an old name, you know, that's an old name that's done it a million times. For the second week in a row, we're talking about Puka Nakua in the top five, Dave. I mean, it's just crazy. This guy's got like 30-plus targets through two weeks. I mean, this is this is a Cooper Cupian type line, right? I mean, 15 receptions, 147 yards, didn't need the touchdown. You know, still smashing with 30.1 PPR. All, every, all anybody wants to talk to me about with Puka Nakua on my timeline is what's his dynasty value? What's his dynasty value? What are the dynasty trades? What yep. should I do? What should I do? Well, in redraft, you don't have to worry about any of that because you are just laughing all the way to the bank if you were wise enough to spend your fab on this guy early on. It's hard to even you know, get <laughs> yeah. your head around this. It's, I mean, yeah. it's absolutely wild. 20... Targets, Curtis. Target share of 38.5, 15 receptions, 147 yards. And the other thing is they gave this man two rushing attempts. So it's not like these targets just happen to be there and he's getting them. They are actively making sure that he's getting involved in multiple ways. Goes for four yards, not doing too much with him, but, you know, just wild that he's also getting involved like that. 128 air yards. This is an impossible follow-up performance to ignore. You know, you hear the chatter about Cooper Cup. Honestly, when Cooper Cup gets back, we'll have to see exactly what he's like. But it's very hard for me to think that Puka doesn't remain extremely involved. You could even half the output now, and you're still getting a player that you're going to be playing week in and week out. Oh, for sure. And I mean, you don't have to go back too far to look at the you know Cooper Cup-Robert Woods pairing that was so effective for a couple seasons there. And, you know, the rushing attempts, it's kind of interesting. You know, I wonder if, if McVay is getting information here on how Nakua and Cup could complement each other uh, in the offense. And, you know, we had talked about you know, uh, several times, you know, I remember June when we were previewing the team and we followed it up a few times over the summer that the Rams could be a team that are just being overlooked. You know, yeah. everything kind of just went the wrong way in 2022 with, you know, Stafford's elbow being ouchy and, and cup missing half the season. It's like, what if it all, you know, what if it all clicks again? Um, you know, McVay not retiring after all those rumors and things. It's like, if they're recommitted, I mean, the, the context behind this too, you know, we already talked about um, Kyron Williams at the running back position with the Rams being a surprise this week, but you know, Matthew Stafford is the one, you know, driving this whole ship. And if you had a chance to watch this Rams game, he looks spry as ever. I mean, he's out there running around. Like, he looks younger. Like, he does not. The last year, it was kind of like, man, he's just trotting out there. It's like Philip Rivers shot putting the ball with a bum elbow. And how much longer is he going to really do this? It was kind of like a sad situation. And he looks awesome. He's driving the ball. He's, you know, he's really vibing like he was in their Super Bowl year. You know, the famous no-look pass from the Super Bowl. Like, he's hitting these, you know, arm angles that are a little nuts and trusting his receivers again. That was really fun to watch, too. So, that's another reason that I feel some conviction that this is repeatable moving forward. So, you know, if you have the opportunity to trade for Nakua, whether it's in, in redraft, if somebody is looking to flip for a more comfortable name, 
uh, or, you know, and maybe it even, ha- you maybe even wait a week or two until we get some Cooper cup news or even in dynasty. Like I have no problem with you speculating and just offering a 2024 first. Now, I, I mean, I did some Twitter polling earlier, Dave, and like only half of people that roster Puka Nakua say they would even accept a, a single 2024 first for him already. So the market changes, man, and you get a second week of info people, you know, it's gospel now, you know, every, every season, uh, is, is in eternity and, and every week is, you know, a decade, it seems like when it comes to fantasy. So, uh, wide receiver three, another, another only buddy goody man, Mike Evans, he's not left for dead. So Mike Evans exploded 29 points. Oh boy. So we're coming off of that Van Jefferson call where I talked about Van Jefferson all the time. That didn't work out. We said a lot of negative things about Mike Evans <laughs> And this man and comes Baker out Mayfield over the years too. <laughs> Baker, I mean, we're, not, yes. we're not Baker fans here, but you know, he's making us look silly this week. Eight targets, target share of 25% turned six receptions into 171 yards. Cause he's Mike Evans. And why wouldn't he also adds in a receiving touchdown finishes yeah. with 29.1 points, just a vintage Mike Evans performance. Yeah, so we'll really know if he's vintage Mike Evans if he now goes two receptions for 29 yards in week three while Chris Godwin goes off. Then we'll right, know the right. Bucks are really just doing their thing, right? <laughs> uh, but this, yeah, this, this is cool. I mean, Jesus, this, this performance alone will prop up his best ball win rate with where his uh, ADP was going. So, sure. I, I mean, the nice thing, you know, if you are rostering Mike Evans in, in redraft to see Baker Mayfield, I mean, honestly, he's been pretty good uh, the first two weeks. You know, maybe maybe it's this offensive design and, you know, the peripheral talent there with with Edwins or Edwins, Evans and Godwin uh, <laughs> is is high. I mean, you know, that I'm sure they are part of the reason why, you know, extremely late uh, fifth decade Tom Brady uh, of his life was able to remain so productive, you know, there uh, in his mid 40s. So, you know, it, it may, maybe maybe late 20s Baker in mid forties, Brady are a, a little closer um, than we would have guessed. Um, T Higgins, Dave, uh, wide receiver four. This is a huge blessing to his investors. After week one, went really sideways in a game that just looked awful against the Browns. And you know, this is what T Higgins drafters had in mind: twenty eight point nine PPR uh, in the Bengals offense. Yeah, so a nice, nice recovery game here. 125 air yards, 12 targets. Now, of course, if you remember in week one, he did get a lot of targets, just wasn't able to do much with them. This week, converts 66.7. That's eight receptions, 89 receiving yards, finds the end zone twice. One of the things that I did talk about last night when I was on the uh, Rotoviz report, which you should check out every Sunday night after the games with Blair and Hassan, was... The fact that Cincinnati, I think, has opened with two pretty tough matchups. You have Burrow looking like he's playing with an injury or at the very least being hampered and slowed down by an injury or, you know, a nagging injury, whatever you want to call it. And that clearly has kind of set back this offense to some degree. But despite that, to see T. Higgins come back out there, put together this two touchdown performance, you have to feel a lot better now about that. And I do think that as the season continues to play out, we're going to see more of the Bengals team that we've known the last couple of seasons than the one that we saw in week one and at points uh, over the weekend. They're too good not to figure it out. Assuming Burrow can get healthy. Right. Now, you know, he strained his calf again, you know, at the end of this game, Dave. And, you know, he said he wants to get a couple sleeps on it this week, I think was the quote. <laughs> so, you know, we're wishing Joe Burrow very restful sleep um, and sweet dreams and that no one will bother him and that he will be fine for week three. Because if he's not, I mean, you have to think that the offense is going to get concentrated a little bit more, even to just a favorite target. Uh, when backups, when backup quarterbacks have played in Cincinnati, we've even seen, you know, some of you know the, the backup connection narrative play out. And we see, you know, some of these second teamers, you know, kind of pop because that's who, you know, that guy's used to throw into. So, you know, right now it's a victory for T Higgins after week two, but, you know, more to come on this Bengals offense from a new cycle perspective, certainly. Nico Collins, wide receiver five, rounds out our top five review at the uh, the wide receiver position. He edges out 
Justin Jefferson from the top five uh, to get this post. You know, this was an interesting game for the Texans because we saw, you know, even though they're going to have struggles as a team in the win-loss column, we've now seen this team be able to put up, you know, some mega numbers. And we've had some offenses, Dave, on bad teams over the years. You know, the famous Jaguars connection with Blake Bortles and Allen Robinson comes to mind back in like 2017 or something, I think it was. I mean, CJ Stroud didn't look overmatched. You know, he's he's going to have a learning curve. Throws for over 400 yards in this game. And Nico Collins, you know, one of the prime beneficiaries of that. This was a really stellar performance for the young wide receiver. Yeah, man, it certainly was. And it's encouraging when you have CJ Stroud doing some of the things that we thought he might be able to do coming into the league. Takes seven uh, receptions on nine targets for 146 receiving yards and the touchdown really steps up into that role of what we thought he could be. I mean, I think Nico Collins is a good receiver. You have him now paired with CJ Stroud. If this continues to grow, I mean, this could be the start of a lot more of these types of performances for Collins. Very, very exciting. At some point, I'm going to be looking forward to checking in on where uh, this might maneuver his dynasty value to. And of course, as we learn a little bit more about what Stroud is capable of doing on a repeated basis, you know, that will open up a whole nother conversation, but yeah, nice job by uh, Collins. Yeah. I think for Nico, we enjoy it while we can, you know, this year, the Texans are going to be in play for one of those elite wide receivers in the 2024 class, but maybe he could hang around as a complimentary number two in 2024. But right now, I mean, yeah, Stroud's got to throw it to somebody. One word of caution on projecting this forward. You know, it was a huge performance, and Stroud threw it a million times. You know, the nine targets are nice. The seven receptions are nice. Uh, Collins did have just a 20.9 target share. We want to be responsible here. And, you know, even though he was a top five wide receiver, you know, he actually sat, it looks like, you know, as a low end wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three in terms of target share. So in a game where the Texans can get it going a little bit more on the ground, or, you know, they're just not able to have as many possessions, you know, these types of performances aren't necessarily repeatable, but knowing that he can do it does certainly put him at least into flex consideration for week three. moving forward. Curtis, you had to do it to us, but I guess that, uh, as you said, it's a responsible thing to do. All right. So, he was our last wide receiver, so we're making our way over here to close off with tight ends. Yeah, and it's a little bit nicer this week. You know, it was really hard to run down this position. We kind of skipped through it very quickly in week one because we didn't have Mark Andrews. We didn't have Travis Kelsey. You know, Darren Waller was invisible. You know, it was kind of sad. So we at least had, you know, more than 10 tight ends score more than 10 PPR in week two, which was great. And we had one monster performance, which was also nice. And we get some of the names that people want to see, uh, that they were drafting highly in their their fantasy drafts, at least show up in this top five. Uh, the leader of the band in week two was TJ Hawkinson. So now we, we've got a situation where you know we had Kirk Cousins in that top five as a quarterback. Justin Jefferson was actually wide receiver six on the week, so didn't make our top five there. But then Hawkinson leading the way at tight end with 25.6 PPR. Yeah, and huge game from Hawkinson here. Seven receptions on eight targets, finds the end zone twice, had a target share of around 18.6, which given the cast of characters that he's playing with is very solid for a tight end, in my opinion. Um, 66 receiving yards, 55 air yards, has an air yard share of 13.6, puts up 34 yards after the catch, which you like to see. A weighted opportunity rating of 37%. One of the higher ranges for tight ends in the week, although I will say that you do see guys like Mark Andrews and Darren Waller going a little bit higher. But closing here with over 25 fantasy points, an encouraging performance for a player that a lot of people sunk a pretty significant investment into. And like we talked about earlier, looks like we should see more of this as we move forward. Maybe not two touchdowns every week, but certainly a tight end that is going to, in my opinion, return on that spot where many listeners of this show probably went and, uh, you know, selected him in their drafts. Yeah, I mean, you can last a couple of weeks on a performance like this one. So that's, that's good to see from Hawkinson. 
Um, as I'm looking at the rest of the top five for the tight end position, it, it's basically the other three guys um, that were being as drafted as the top four. The one that snuck in here was our, he was our poster child for late tight ends. He really was. Add, uh, at, at the end of, of best ball drafts and high stakes redraft formats, it was Hunter Henry, man. Your New England Patriots tight end, really getting it done. Um, looks to be, you know, Mac Jones, I mean, I guess maybe favorite target. Is it too soon to say that? Uh, because he was the constant week after week here through the first two, 17.2 PPR and a tight end two performance. Yeah, and it really seems like when New England's offense needs to make things happen, it's running through Hunter Henry. It seems to be the spark that's getting things going. Now in week one, we saw both he and Kendrick Bourne play a pretty big pretty big role. I felt like with Devontae Parker back, some of that work that you saw going to Bourne spread out to Parker. As a result of that, Hunter Henry really now, in my opinion, is the key player there. Goes for 52 yards, caught six of seven targets, and finds the end zone. Finishes with 17.2 points. And the finding the end zone piece is really key here because I think that was one of the main reasons that we were kind of high on Henry. In addition to the fact that he looked like he was set up to play a critical role, though there might be some struggles this year for New England, it's not going to be the Patriots teams that we saw in the past. We have seen there is an ability now to get the ball downfield, find the end zone, and very commonly when they do find the end zone, Hunter Henry is one of the first players that they're looking for. So hard to really undersell the fact that this happened two weeks in a row. We had teams where Hunter Henry was either our main tight end or even on some of those teams where we had tight ends that we really liked, he was in the flex and he delivered. So you got to love that. Yeah, man. We On FFPC, we were starting Henry in our flex spots and you know, it paid off. The, the thing that's cool and projectable moving forward situationally, you know, in watching this game, what I really liked is, is the touchdown play because it was actually a broken play. When you watch that play, um, I think it was a run pass option. And because Hunter Henry actually started blocking um, on this play yep. and it's, I, I, they even talked about on the broadcast that maybe this thing was going to get waved off. Like was what he did actually legal. Um, but as, as soon as it became apparent that Mac Jones was kind of getting run over to the sideline, I mean, this was a play that occurred within the opposing team 10, you know, he's going to getting pushed over towards the boundary there. And, you know, he just quickly gets his eyes up and Henry is actually kind of breaking behind a linebacker level and in front of the safety level and Jones just threads it in there and Henry with, you know, strong hands, the ball down to the end zone. So when things break down, Henry is the trusted target for Jones. And I think that is something that, that matters for fantasy moving forward. I bet Dave, there are still some redraft leagues out there yeah. on Yahoo and ESPN, et cetera. I know in, in one of the ESPN leagues that I'm in, that's an industry league. Henry was out there, you know, some of these short bench leagues where you can only roster 15 players and things like that. I expect him to be a big time uh, waiver wire pickup this week. So if you're trying to get a head start on that, as you listen on Tuesday morning, Hunter, Hunter Henry, one of those specials, the rest of the, the tight end position, Dave, I'm going to read all three names because they're familiar. They're familiar names to everyone. No big breakout performances, but they're doing what you need them to do in, in down weeks, which is, you know, finish as, you know, strong tight end ones. We get Mark Andrews with 15 and a half PPR, Darren Waller with 13.6 PPR and Travis Kelsey uh, with 12.6. Now all three of these offenses still look there's like they're trying to get it going a little bit. Um, and I think that the big days are ahead for these guys, but it's still nice to see them come in at three, four and five in, in weeks where they weren't really the featured guys. For sure. So I'm just going to quickly read off their stats here. Then there's there's one name worth highlighting. and It's actually not going to be Dawson Knox, who did have a very nice game, Curtis. Uh, mm. Yep. So you have uh, Waller go six for eight for 76 yards. Travis Kelsey, uh, four for nine, just 26 yards, but of course finds the end zone. Then Mark Andrews, five for eight for 45 and a touchdown. Sam Laporta finishes here just behind Zach Ertz with 11.3, gets a target share of 17.6, five receptions on six targets. Keep in mind, you know, this is a rookie performance already seeing good things from him in an offense that's playing well. You know, we've seen Josh Reynolds 
have some touchdowns now, players that you might not yeah. expect. So I think that we're already seeing Laporta get in there and get used in, you know, what's a pretty good offense is an encouraging sign. So want to call that out. Also really interesting. The next couple of names behind him, you got Kyle Granton for the Colts, Logan Thomas for Washington, uh, Jake Ferguson, who we talked a lot about, Cade Auden, and Tyler Conklin. So really interesting tight end landscape, you know, looking forward to continuing to talk about it, uh, see how things unfold next week. If we do consistently have those top guys or if we get some of these lower level guys I just mentioned sprinkling their way in. Well, this is a little uh, public service announcement for the Dynasty Command Center podcast that's going to record midweek each week because last week I said, you've got to go pick up Kylan Granson in your Dynasty League. And what does he do in week two? Even with his guy, Anthony Richardson, going out with a concussion after a really hot start, you know, Granson finds his way to a tight end one performance uh, in week two, getting a touchdown and three receptions. So, Hey man, you heard it on the Dynasty Command Center podcast last week, and you could have had him on your squad, uh, you know, for for week two. So hopefully you added him then. We will be back midweek with another episode of the Dynasty Command Center, and we are working feverishly to make sure that we have a great live stream Thursday night for our week three projection and start sit show. Uh, the start sit audience, Dave, I will say, in in week two was much busier and much more active. In week one, we think this show will really catch fire as the year goes on. So want to encourage people to log in right at the beginning of that show and get your question up if you want it guaranteed to be answered live on air so you can make those adjustments for Thursday Night Football or beyond. We'll be back midweek. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.